Welcome to the Newsletter Operator Podcast. I'm Matt McGarry. And I'm Ryan Carr. And in this podcast, we teach you exactly how to build, grow, and monetize your newsletter. We'll talk to the best newsletter operators, creators, and media founders in the space, breaking down their strategies and growth tactics. Awesome. Let's get into it. Okay, what's up? Welcome to the Newsletter Operator Podcast. I'm here with Ryan. This is an episode of just me and him today. We're doing something a little bit different. Yeah, excited to talk through some topics that we've been discussing when we're not recording, and hopefully you all listening get something out of it as well. Yeah, this is kind of like insight into the type of conversations we have. We have a few like Q&As we're going to do, some questions we're going to answer. We have some topics prepared, but it's going to be pretty casual. I would love to do these on a regular basis because honestly, to do a, a podcast of just two people, not interview style, it, it takes some practice. And so bear with us here because this is like the first one we're doing. But I think as we keep doing them, hopefully people enjoy them and we'll get to do more and more because I really do enjoy these talks with you. Yeah. And I'm hoping that maybe we're able to dive a little bit deeper into some topics within newsletters that actual kind of operators in newsletter space, you know, dive a little bit deeper than we usually would. I feel like the interviews that we that we do, while very valuable, I think sometimes we avoid going really deep into into details, into into the weeds of, of how we operate newsletters. So looking forward to it. Yeah. And I we try to, but there's only so much you can cover in an hour interview. And yeah. you want to cover a whole scope of things in an interview and you can't have someone talk about, you know, one part of their funnel for, for 30 minutes. That's half that's half the interview, right? So. Yeah. As much as we try, as much as we try to get that out of people for for a half hour of just like a funnel deep dive. <laughs> yeah. And we'll probably talk about broader topics too, just outside of newsletters. I want to talk about media companies, marketing in general, just business in general too. So we'll, we'll try and be a little bit more broad in the topics, but maybe starting with that, I want to talk about media because there's kind of, there's this whole newsletter community that we're in. It's really a subsection of media companies, but a lot of people in the newsletter space don't even know much about some of the largest historic and like most successful media companies that exist, right? They know the newsletter companies like Morning Brew and The Hustle, but not huge media companies like Hearst or Dot Dash Meredith or a ton more. And I'm still learning more about this space. And so last week I went to a media operator summit in New York. This is an event from a guy named Jacob Donnelly yeah. who works at Morning Brew. He's the publisher there. And it had a, the crowd was a lot more like big media company than I'm, what I'm normally used to. I'm normally used to like marketers and newsletter folks, internet marketers. And so I got to hear from some big B2B media companies, some media companies that have been around for like 50 or a hundred years and kind of hear what, what they're up to. Hmm. The overall takeaway and tone was like, everybody's really in a tough position right now in media, kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. One of the takeaways was like, it, it, as a big media company, if your revenue year over year is, is the same, you're growing because everybody else is down 20 or 30%. Yeah. And so I wanted to talk with you about why that is. We've seen the big value, the valuations for like a, a BuzzFeed, right? Their, their stock is, I don't know the numbers, but like it's, it's basically a penny stock now. They're selling off their, their different properties. It could be delisted. And the valuation was probably 100x higher than it is now. I've got a couple of reasons on why this is. And I think a lot of this stuff is obvious. But also, I want to talk about the solutions to this. So like, how can media companies turn this around? And a lot of that, I think, relates to newsletters. So there's this article from the New York Times and Axios about social media traffic, the top news sites. And it's basically cratered. So I won't 
pull up the exact numbers, but like, you know, tr- Facebook was sending news sites 120 million users in January of 2021. Twitter was sending them over 60 million in January of 2021. And now that is 22 million from Facebook and 21 million from Twitter. Hmm. So it's like a massive decrease. And the same thing's happened with Google. A lot people are not getting as much traffic from Google as they used to. Is that paid traffic or is that just organic? Like Organic traffic. So that like a you know, New York Times shares an article on Facebook or Twitter and it reaches people, hmm. that reach has gone way down. Same thing with Google. When you publish an article, the problem's different with Google, right? Like when you publish an article, when people go to Google now, there's a lot less searches that end in a click. So like you Google something like a, a question and you know, there's just like Google has a default response. Yeah. You don't have to click on it. You can just read that. I forget what, I forget the actual technical term for this. It's like but snippets you can just read or it. something. Or, yeah, yeah something. snippets. Yeah. And now they're doing AI generated results too. And that's rolling out soon. So like it just, you know, whatever bar it answers your question. And so like you don't have to go click on a Hearst property or a Dash Meredith property or NerdWallet or whatever to get your answer. You just read that response and that's your answer. So your search doesn't end in a click. So that's less traffic to a, a media company. And basically social and Google are the biggest traffic channels for these massive media companies. They've decreased dramatically. Yeah. I mean, to me, <laughs> like it just speaks to how important not becoming too dependent on social platforms is that's, I mean, it very bullish case for newsletters in general. I mean, you know, there are comparisons to be made for these big media companies and newsletters and what they're providing people. But if you're depending on, on website traffic from social, you're probably, I mean, I don't think that problem is going to get any easier just based on to your point AI. And also the fact that, I mean, We've, we've both run ads on Meta and how it's not the easiest platform to get support on. And it's also not super reliable in terms of knowing that nothing's going to go wrong. Like <laughs> pretty much guaranteed something's going to go wrong at some point if you're running a Facebook page or running Facebook ads. And so, yeah, I mean, I think what we see more and more, and I think why the, the newsletter space is blowing up in the way that it is, is people know that it's an owned audience and that they're a lot less dependent. Maybe they're dependent on those channels for, for the growth of that email list, which is a lot less of a risk that you're taking. But once you have uh, the list, it's it's yours to to reach however you wish. So Yeah, you can retain your audience, which is something that's lacking. Basically, the, I've been reading a lot about BuzzFeed. And the BuzzFeed strategy was write an article that people are likely to share. Write a ton of those articles, literally hundreds per day. Yeah. Listicles too. Post them on Facebook and Twitter and like hope that people share them. And that just doesn't work anymore. And that's a lot of media company strategies. Like let's build an editorial team. Let's publish seven articles a day, share them on social media and and index them on Google and hope people discover them or share them. And like, that just doesn't work anymore. You have to be able to have a reliable discovery channel and then capture an audience and keep it in some type of own channel that isesn't relied on a third party platform or not a third on a big platform like Google or Facebook, Twitter, et cetera. And so what that is for most media companies is newsletters. And still a lot of people haven't caught on with this. Like a lot of media company newsletters are just like, it's just a bunch of links to their articles <laughs> and it's not fun to read and people unsubscribe and people don't open that. And so they're not, some don't even have like a regular newsletter. So hopefully we're seeing more and more people catch on, but it's also interesting. It's like, if I were building a media company today, I wouldn't just have a newsletter. I would think about what are all the owned audiences that I can have and how do I build all of those? So yeah, Jay Klaus community. talked about this with us. Yeah. So like private community is one. 
and that's probably not going to be a Facebook group because that's probably yeah. not Facebook. Right Same now. problem. It's a, yeah. In Slack and Circle, whatever, whatever is best for you. So newsletter, paid community, podcast, like we're on now. That's yeah. one. That's really, really one to grow this podcast. And the other one would be SMS, which is not relevant to everyone, but a lot of people could benefit from SMS. And really no media company has an SMS strategy at all. I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm curious, like maybe we can kind of <laughs> brainstorm on it, but have you encountered any newsletters that are doing, I know you said media companies, and I don't know if you're talking about these larger media companies or if you're talking about... Really both. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I don't think I've seen a really great SMS strategy. I've heard people try them and test them, but... No, it obviously works for e-commerce where you're advertising sales and special offers yeah. and stuff. The one that has done well is called, uh, with SMS strategy, is called Punchbowl News. And so they're a media company that just covers the Capitol and what's happening there in Congress and in the Senate. And things are happening on a daily basis. So they have like a text, text message list and people want to be updated like regularly. So they'll send like two or three texts a day about like just small things that are happening. Like, oh, Mitch McConnell did this or that. I have no idea what's going on in Congress, but like just like little updates like that. And their audience likes that. But you have to be in a category where you have a lot of news happening that's really relevant every day. So that could be in finance or politics usually. If you're in like the cooking space or like yeah. you know, writing about media companies, like there's not enough news to send text messages to people. So right. it's not for everybody, but we can do other stuff though. More just like a, like a breaking news update kind of channel or even just like a daily update channel. I could, I could see that maybe finance finance could be a good one potentially just sending people kind of ways that markets are moving like a trading newsletter or something. I could see that working well. You don't want to give like mundane updates, right? Right. So like you would send a text message when there's a massive move in a stock, not when like Apple went up or down 2% because that would get annoying, right? People want to know about big things that are happening. They need, they need to jump on immediately. Yeah. So we have to be careful with it. And, and maybe it's not a daily thing. Maybe it's just as needed. Maybe it's an alert type of SMS system. I don't know. Yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense. I know you said that a lot of the these larger media companies hadn't caught on to newsletters, which again, I think is bullish for small operators. But what what was the discussion around newsletters at this conference, if, if any? Not as much as I would like to hear. I'm a little bit biased. But one thing I, I noticed is basically all of the up-and-coming media companies, people who had started in the past five years and were successful, they all had a really strong newsletter strategy. And some of them even talked about being newsletter first, like Punchbowl News talked about being newsletter first, and that's how they started. Then they expand to other channels like news on their website, podcast, SMS, et cetera. So what that proved to me is that if you're going to start a media company now, you have to have a newsletter strategy, right? I think some of the incumbents can rely on the traffic that they have and the SEO traffic that they've built up over literally decades. But if you're starting from scratch, you're starting to start up, newsletters are important, right? And so that's the future of media. And so if you want to grow your incumbent media company, you need to have a newsletter strategy. So I think people are thinking about it at these big organizations, but things just take time to move, right? They like, they send emails now, but they don't really send great editorial newsletters. I don't think people totally understand the difference between sending emails with content in them and sending a great editorial newsletter that has a great in-email reading experience. Like yeah. you see with Morning Brew or The Hustle. I don't think everybody has even caught on to that. They realize email is important, but not newsletters in the same way. Yeah. And there, it's funny because you talked about just like a link roundup that, that some of these larger media companies might send out where it's just a roundup of their links to, to their articles. There are newsletters that do that well, but it is just about kind of the way you format it, the way you structure it versus it being kind of an advertisement for the site, right? 
Yeah, it's a business model shift too, because all your revenue is based off of site visits. So you want people to click on those articles and get more impressions there and more views on the banner ad and like programmatic stuff. So there, there's some incentives there that misalign. And so it makes it hard for a company like that to shift to a newsletter strategy that gives like a great reading experience that people want to open every day. So yeah, it's, it's tough for them, but it's doable. But it, it is cool to see all the media startups focus on newsletters. Like Selmafor is a newer company from Ben Smith who used to work at BuzzFeed. They have a, a huge news, focus on newsletters and a newsletter strategy. You know, all the company, all the media companies that are succeeding now and starting now do. So that, that was positive to see. And I really think that is the future of this is just owned audience. And I think newsletters are just the start, right? I think there's going to be a lot more focus on podcasts, like Barstool has crushed it with podcasts. They haven't quite figured out newsletters, but they have that platform down really well. As social channels and where people are traditionally building audiences, they become less reliable in terms of <laughs> having the autonomy to to keep a hold of your audience and reach them however you want. I mean, you see it everywhere now, content creators, not just media companies, but software companies, tech companies driving to newsletters. And I think it starts with the same thesis that you see like with, with indie hackers, with HubSpot and The Hustle, you have product companies buying distribution channels now and, and building in-house distribution channels in that way, just to have that owned audience. Yeah. But another trend I'm, I'm seeing start very early is like the newsletter first creator. So we know what a newsletter first media company is. That's a company like Morning Brew that there's a media company, but they're all focused on, on newsletters. I think the newsletter first creator is next because so many creators are fed up with their reach on social being cut in half or cut by 30% when they have double the followers, right? We've talked to so many creators that they're growing on Twitter, but then the algorithm changes and they have 10 times the followers, but half the reach. And so a lot of them wish they had started the newsletter six or 12 months ago, because they would still reach that same audience, um, if not larger every day. So it's, it's, it's early now, but it's going to be a lot bigger emphasis for a lot of creators. The ones that I see pioneering it are Sahel Bloom and Cody Sanchez. They both have over 500,000 newsletter subscribers now, which is huge for a creator with like a small team, right? And also they just started their creator businesses, I think in, both in 2020 or around then. So it's not been that long and they've built an audience of that size. And that's really impressive to me. I think James Clear has done a really good job of that too. Yeah. He has a massive newsletter. Tim Ferriss has a massive newsletter over a million people. And I think newsletters are going to be the backbone of educational creator businesses. If you're trying to teach someone something and you're a creator, you have to have a newsletter because it's the best way to um, own your audience, retain it, and also monetize it and sell your own products. Yeah, to your point, particularly particularly on the monetization side, you think about channels like YouTube, podcasts are you know a great channel to reach folks and and as an education channel as well. When you're talking about monetization, like the ability to just like link any product, service, ad, directly in the email. I mean, I think that's why a lot of folks are, are really invested in building up large newsletter lists. The link is so powerful, man, because like Twitter has really damaged the links. So, so is YouTube. So like Twitter used to be where you could kind of like link your, your whatever you want to promote below your tweet. And now Twitter's catching on to that and they're throttling the reach of any tweet that has a link that you post below it. Same thing of LinkedIn has caught on to that. So like you can't, it used to be where you could, you can still do the link in the comments, but that's going to throttle your reach. With YouTube, so many people are watching on their TVs, a lot less people are actually going to go click a link because they can't go to the description immediately on their phone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Instagram, like TikTok has throttled links a ton. A lot of people can't even put links in their bios anymore on TikTok. So like every platform wants to keep you on the platform and not let you 
link to your own products or your sponsor's products. And so you have to have this channel where you can actually just do basic things like link to things and get clicks. You know, it's like very basic stuff that's becoming harder and harder to do. Yep. That's why, why those own channels are so important. Sahil obviously had a huge Twitter following that he grew kind of like right before he launched that newsletter, or I'm not sure the timing of, of when he launched, you said 2021 or 2020. And you see, you see him now really pushing hard on growing that list. Anyone can go to, to meta ad libraries and see what kind of ads and just the volume of ads that, that any advertiser is running. You see them doing a lot of testing. You see these other large creator first newsletters doing a lot of testing now too across those paid acquisition channels. So it's cool to see. It's cool to see just the entire space really start to blow up like that. Yeah, I think everyone who started the newsletter 12 months ago is very happy right now. I know Saw Hill is because he was so reliant on Twitter and that platform has changed so much. He was basically like the master of threads. Yeah. And now <laughs> you can't, threads don't reach anybody anymore. So his reach has got cut a ton on Twitter, but he still has a massive, even bigger reach now through his newsletter. So um, you're able to make up for these platform changes that always happen. Like this is never going to stop. The platforms are always going to change. And this is the only way to have consistent growth, right? Yeah. Okay. And like the, the it, I mean, really quick before we get off this topic, like talking about the difference of these social channels and a newsletter and how reach is affected by the format of the content. Another great thing about the newsletters, I mean, you look at the, the format of Sahil's newsletter, the Curiosity Chronicle, and I believe it's like, it's structured where it's one framework, one quote, one recommendation or one tweet, something like that. It's basically formatted in a way that's very predictable in a good way for, for readers that are opening it on, on the cadence that they send it out. But, you know, that's content that a lot of people get a lot of value from, but it wouldn't necessarily do very well on Twitter. I don't know <laughs> in video content how it would do on TikTok, but you're able to take the content that you want to put out there, format it however you want without worrying about kind of the, the overarching meta of the platform, right? What gets rewarded just based on the way that it's structured yeah, or formatted. Yeah, less constrained in that way. You don't have to have a super strong hook at the beginning of your TikTok or... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or catchy uh, first line in your tweet. Like you can write more of what people need to hear. And which what you want to share. Yeah, which to your point is why I think it will be kind of the flagship channel of a lot of those educational creators because you're not constrained by that meta, Right. You're not constrained and meta, no pun intended. Meta meaning like the what's what the algorithm favors for Twitter, yeah. for, for TikTok, for example. I'm curious to see more entertainment-based creators get in the newsletters. We haven't seen a lot of that yet. So like Mr. Beast does not have a newsletter, obviously. What do you think about if you're an entertainment-based creator, like a YouTuber or something or a Twitch streamer, how might they use newsletters or emails in their strategy? I got a few ideas, but it's much different than the other type of creator. Yeah, that's a good question. We've talked a little bit about smart nonsense and what they do. That's definitely a unique approach to, and they came from making YouTube shorts. So it kind of made me explain that a little bit. Yeah. So smart nonsense, what they do, it's basically an illustrated newsletter. It's like very graphic newsletter where it's, it's essentially like a cartoon or a comic. It's like a comic, a newsletter comic. And they usually explain some, some moment in history or some it's biographical sometimes like it'll be about like how Steve Jobs came up with the idea for the iPhone or something like that they basically break it down in like a very kind of entertaining funny comic format within the email so it's it's like a newsletter comic almost and so definitely breaks away from a lot of what you would you know associate with newsletters so yeah there's a lot of room for i think innovation especially around entertainment space and then 
also just like merging between the entertainment and the educational like they've done. Yeah, it's, it definitely needs to be different and entertaining, right? It's tough because like you're not covering news and you're not covering stuff that's educational. So what fits in an email that way? I think people probably shouldn't overcomplicate it and they should basically do things like tell us a little bit about what you're doing in your week. Like just give me like like basically your diary into like the insights in your life. Give me some behind the scenes look at the stuff that you're creating on YouTube or Twitch or wherever you're posting. So I think behind the scenes kind of diary, just like 500 words about that or less would be interesting. It kind of feels like you're writing a letter to me. I think people should announce the stuff that they're posting, especially for YouTubers or streamers when they're streaming, YouTubers when the videos are publishing, what's going to be published. Give us a sneak peek of like what's coming next. So use this as a channel to drive people back to YouTube, but also to keep people engaged there. So it can't only be an announcement and reminders. You also should include announcements and reminders. And then I think we could see some cool stuff around giveaways within email, right? I think like Mr. Beast could crush this, right? If he did some type of like referral giveaway for his newsletter, like Morning Brew is done, that would do super well. We're just incentivizing people to like, if you join the email list, you'll be entered to win something. That's a great way to get people on the list. Yeah. I also haven't seen a really good, like just meme roundup newsletter before. I've just never seen somebody just send memes. And maybe, you know, maybe it's not the most valuable audience because it's pretty broad and maybe, I, but if, I mean, you could grow it very fast is my point. Like you could, if you're, if you're, we all know that memes work well, or, you know, I think people that run meta ads for newsletters specifically, or for really anything, know that memes work well as ad creative. So if you're making a meme, you know, Facebook ad for a meme newsletter where it's all memes, that's all I've, I just said memes so many times in a row. I'm <laughs> forgetting what it means, but like, yeah, I, I think that could do really well, actually. I haven't seen anybody do that. Yeah. I think that speaks to like people value creation, especially it's from an entertainment creator. Like people want to see what YouTube videos you're watching, what you're reading, what shows and series you're watching, what memes that you found funny. So like you could basically have your newsletter be curation too. So this could be the three sections you do. You could have like a little bit of behind the scenes diary announcement about your up and coming work or videos and then curation of the stuff that you're checking out. I mean, that's what, when you look at like Tim Ferriss and Sahel Bloom and those folks, they're doing curation. They're like showing their best tweet, their favorite quote, their favorite book or like a new hack they discovered. So like, it's not going to be a whole lot different for entertainment based YouTuber or creator. You don't want to overthink it too much. Honestly, it blows my mind every day. Like, so you with Tailwind, we're often talking with folks that want to start a newsletter or companies that want to start a newsletter and we're thinking through content ideas for newsletter. And so we do a little bit of competitive research. There's just so much blue ocean for everyone in this space. I mean, you made the point earlier, even these huge media companies, they don't necessarily have a great newsletter strategy put together yet. We're inundated with information about the space because we're so involved in it on a business level and like, you know, the, the professional circles that we're in. Yeah. If you're listening to this, like, and you have a newsletter idea, and you think, oh, well, somebody's probably already come up with that. I think nine times out of 10, you'd be surprised. Like, I think there's so much room for trying new things and and building yourself a huge audience. Yeah. And there's always room for better and different content too. Like if just because there's a newsletter about stocks or watches or sports, like doesn't mean you can't do it better or differently. There's always room for better execution. There's also, I think for creators, the room to like create an independent media company that's not connected to them from the newsletter and grow that using their existing audience. So like a watch YouTuber starts a media company about watches and maybe some other luxury stuff that, that men are into. 
And they start that with a newsletter and then they expand to other channels like a blog and podcast and stuff that's totally unrelated to their YouTube audience. They use their YouTube audience to grow it, but over time it can be self-sustaining and they can be completely out of it. And I think that's a lot of things creators strive towards too, is to, to one day not be publishing every single day and be on the hook for that. You know, yeah. newsletters are a great place to start that independence. Yeah. It's interesting how you mentioned <laughs> it's funny because media companies, traditional media companies, they see the newsletter as a means to drive to the site. And you mentioned the idea of kind of the reason why is because they're monetizing through the site, through ad placements, through, you know, banner ads, what have you. Whereas the, the newsletter comp- the newsletter operator today is any traffic that they're getting through the site, they want to drive to the newsletter. So it's, it's almost an opposite way of thinking about it, like having that owned audience. And, and yeah, to your point, having like a, a huge YouTube audience is a great place to start and capture a bunch of organic traffic to send to a newsletter and build something out of that. Yeah, I'm surprised more YouTubers haven't done it. There's been like the YouTube to podcast track has been very common. You've seen that with a ton of people like Graham Stephan, who's like in finance, is the Ice Coffee Hour. Logan Paul is a big podcast. That's been really successful. I think the next track will be YouTube to newsletter. And that will be even more successful too. So you don't have to do an episode every week. You can hire an editor and a writer. What would be the best example of that so far? Maybe Colin and Samir. They've done a really good job with it. They have almost 100,000 newsletter subscribers now. And it's a newsletter about the business of being a creator. Like it's not a a massive niche. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, Cody... Cody Sanchez, she started her YouTube channel after her newsletter, right? Yeah. She's kind of doing everything at the same time. Right, right. Yeah. I don't know of too many examples of other folks doing that, which again, just, I think that yeah. speaks to how much opportunity it's early. there's. Yeah. So early. Yeah. There's um, Jasper, I'm forgetting his last name, but he has a newsletter called Market Briefs that has maybe around 100K. So they're out there, but there's just only a handful of examples. But the ones that are doing it, I think they're they're doing it really well. I think one thing they're doing is partnering with people who know what to do. So like people like you, Ryan, the stuff you're doing with your agency, Tailwind, Colin Samir are working with Smooth Media, which is a, I guess you would call it like a business or an agency that does newsletters. And they used to work at Morning Brew and Industry Dive. What would you, maybe tell us about like, we haven't talked a ton about Tailwind. So tell us about what that is and what type of people might be a good fit for that. Sure. Yeah. So Essentially, what we do at Tailwind is we work with companies, brands and companies that either already have a large email list or have the means to grow a list, or in some cases, just want to start a newsletter from scratch. And we work with them to define the kind of content that their audience would find the most value in. And we build a newsletter, a weekly newsletter that provides that content. If you own like a, an e-commerce like pet store or like a pet, pet toys, pet food e-commerce store, we might create a newsletter for pet lovers and help you build an audience that you can sell to through the newsletter. It's been a great learning experience with what works and what doesn't. I think it would help people. They're starting from scratch, but I think where you can help people the most is someone, there's so many businesses out there that have an email list of a hundred thousand people that they built up over a couple of years and they just don't send to it. They just send like one-off marketing promotions. They have a welcome sequence, but 90% of the people on their list are out of that welcome sequence and have been for, for months or years. And so like sending a value packed newsletter to them every week, that's 80% value and like 20% reminding them about the product or service that they have is a great way to drive more revenue, but also like build a relationship with your prospects so that when they're ready to buy, they're more likely to. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's wild how many 
partners that we work with and folks that we've spoken to that just have these huge, like to your point, like 100,000, 200,000, 500,000 sub email lists from product pages, from lead magnets, et cetera. And they send them like a marketing email once a month, maybe, or like when they have a promotion or a discount, or they just need like a boost in sales. Yeah. What we do is basically just nurture that list. We're still selling to them. You know, we, we test as part of the, what we do, we just like AB test their actual product placements in the newsletter as well. It also gives them an opportunity to like, if they wanted to monetize through sponsorship. So yeah, it's basically, you know, you have this like ready built asset with an email list. And a lot of folks just aren't onto the newsletter train yet. So they don't really know how valuable it can be. Uh, so we kind of bridge that gap, but yeah. yeah. So can lock in your revenue stream. If, if you have to have a large list to that, but if you have a e-commerce brand, it's very common for even like a seven figure e-commerce brand, the low seven figures to have an email list of north of a hundred thousand people. Yeah. So that can unlock sponsorship revenue. Another strategy I like is cross promotions. Like what's a relevant brand that's like not competitive with you. Now you have a newsletter where you can promote them and they can promote you. And like that can be a new marketing channel that you unlock because you now have a newsletter. So yeah. new revenue channels and new marketing channels, which is really cool. Without like diving too into the weeds of, of this specific partner, but like a partner that we work with, they basically have a platform for brands within a specific vertical, uh, like a website platform for brands within a specific vertical. And now with the newsletter, not only are they able to potentially get sponsorship revenue from it, but also they can take those partners that they sell to and they say, hey, come join our platform. They'll also say, hey, you can also get spots in the newsletter if you join our, our platform and we'll plug you in the newsletter. So, yeah, it's just to your point. I mean, as we've been saying, it's just, you know, having a being able to utilize a list like that, having an owned audience, such an advantage. Yeah, maybe we're just about out of time now. Maybe next time we'll talk more about how to like if someone wanted to do this themselves, what type of newsletter content should they have? What newsletter format template? design should they use? Because I think a lot of people, they're sitting in front of a blank page and they don't know what to create. So we'll cover that next time. I think another call to action for people listening would be to follow me and Ryan on Twitter. And when we, we put out these like Q&A questions, give us your question. Honestly, just DM us a question. We may not respond right away, but we will cover it on the podcast and we'll go from there. Well, that went by quick if we're like at time already. <laughs> it's like that flew yeah. by. <laughs> but I think we just, we started a little late, but we'll, we'll cover more next time. Excited to do more of these. Like this is only about 30 something minutes. When we have more time, we'll, we'll talk for like 45 minutes plus. So we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow the Newsletter Operator Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star rating to help support the show. If you want to learn even more about how to grow and monetize a newsletter, go to newsletteroperator.com. And if you'd like to work with Matt or Ryan directly, check the links in the description and apply to work with our agencies. 